Ladies and gentlemen, the tiny DevOps guy. Hello, and welcome to episode number three of the Tiny DevOps podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Hall. And today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about serverless. Uh, I have today as a guest, Zach Randall. Uh, Zach, could you introduce yourself? Tell us why you know anything about serverless, for example. <laughs> okay, well, that's... that's uh... It's a good way to start things. So um, my name is Zachary Randall. I have been a software engineer for, um, I realize now over half my life, um, have actually been coding since I was about 10 years old. Um, I am presently a, a consultant, the lead engineer and a partner at the consulting firm Chameleon Collective. And um, when I'm not doing that, I'm uh, making heavy metal and guitar pedals. As you can, you can guess by looking at the background, I might do yeah. something musical. Those of you watching the video, instead of listening to the podcast, you'll see there's, uh, how, how many guitars do you have there in the background? Um, 30-ish. 20, 30, yeah, cool. Yeah, the, the camera's at an angle where you're missing some of it, but I I, I have 30-ish, let's, let's call it that. It's an impressive collection to look at, no doubt. And so serverless, why should we care about what you have to say about serverless? So, I find myself, um, and this is just the nature of consulting. I find myself working for um, clients that are that tend to be understaffed. And actually, what I've noticed uh, in my my years of consulting is that everybody is understaffed at every position. But technology is one of those places where it really happens. And to be fair, that maybe you have an IT guy on staff, or maybe you guys have somebody that does some programming and does some IT on staff, but it's not like most businesses are going to put a full-time DevOps person on staff. So what sort of um, drew me into serverless was, is that I have, um, so I have, cl have clients that either, again, don't have big tech staff staffs, or they don't necessarily have the right expertise where I can expect them to, you know, maintain and run a server infrastructure. Um, as easy it is, as it is to say, for example, to get a LAMP stack up and running or to deploy a, a .NET app or a Tomcat app, not everybody can do that. And, and maintaining that can get, can get troublesome really, really fast. Before we dive too far into this, Maybe you could define serverless because I mean I know everybody's heard the word. I'm, I'm sure there's not a single person listening who hasn't heard the word, but I'm, I'll bet there are people who don't really have a good concept of what it is. So can you can you explain what that concept is? Yeah. So and I'll do it sort of with an example. So imagine that you're using you know whatever your favorite cloud provider is. So let's you know we'll use AWS as an example. Perhaps you're going to deploy a web application, or maybe you need to deploy um, just a service that needs to run on a cron. So what we've always would have done in the past, you would have a server that's running that and probably some other applications, and you would have, um, you know, you have your web server, your web proxy, you'd have a cron job running your, your service in the background. Well, instead of actually having um, a, a, an actual virtual server somewhere that you're that you're sort of owning and maintaining, um, the the serverless architecture sort of ob obscures that from you. And you know, and a great example that I do actually all the time for clients is is maybe you know somebody needs an API of some sort, somebody needs a very simple web app. Um, I just use Lambda for that. And the thing is, with Lambda, you build your project 
um, and you upload it and then boom, you have an app. It's of course, there's more steps and more involved in that, but are there trade-offs? Absolutely. But for most businesses, it's cheaper and it's easier to maintain. Just at a really high level, so, so serverless, correct me if I'm wrong about this. It's basically you upload a, a function, not, I mean, it's, or a micro app, maybe if you want to think of it that way, but it's, it's a function that, for example, accepts an HTTP request and produces a response of some sort. And yep. so you're not, you're not building a whole app with a, a router and all that stuff. One API. No, I actually, I actually have done that though. Okay. So like, okay, so again, we'll use Lambda as an example because that's where most of my experience is. And the Lambda could be something very simple, like a function that does a task. Mm -hmm. So, you know, an, Amazon, an example that Amazon might provide is you have an S3 bucket. Somebody uploads an image to the S3 bucket. You have a, uh, an SNS event the uh, the simple notification service that respond that 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 your lambda function responds to and then maybe it takes that image renames it moves it somewhere else resizes it so that's like a really simple example okay but you can you can actually with a combination of lambda and then say something like api gateway you can actually have a full-fledged web application running serverless like that um, and it, it's still, it's, you know, it's still a sort of a, a similar premise there because there is a function that's running, but the function that's running is wrapped is, is basically wrapped around a web app. So I want to talk in a moment about, you, you mentioned there are some drawbacks. I want to talk about that, but, but first I want to really nail home. What is the benefit of this for a, an understaffed or a small team? So, so suppose I, I'm in a small startup or, or a small business and, and maybe I'm the only IT guy there, the only DevOps guy. How, how is this going to make my life easier? Why should I keep listening to the rest of this podcast? <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's, let's talk about a big one first and that's money. Um, because especially if you're at a startup, you're at a small business, your bosses are not going to want to be spending money on technology where they don't have to. You and I have been in this business forever. So you know that that's, that is always like the first place where they're going to try to cut is tech is always viewed as an expense and not as an asset. Right. So if you are that startup, you are that small company DevOps guy. So firstly, you're not paying for a server that's running 24 seven. So a great example is in you know, a web app that I, I built for one of my longtime clients. Um, you, know, you pay for compute time. So it's, it's uh, I don't think what Amazon measures it is. It's like gigabyte seconds or something like that. It's the time that the function runs uh, multiplied by the amount of memory that you use. So I have a, I have a client that's actually been using, uh, I've, I've had them on several, several things set up on Lambda and I've ha been having them use it for years and they're, they're actually pretty rapidly growing business. They have never actually broken through the threshold, the, the free threshold because Amazon gives you so many free requests and, 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 you know, basically like request time every month. They've never shattered that ceiling. Okay. They're not paying for, they're paying, are we paying for RDS instances? Yes, we're absolutely paying, paying for RDS instances. Um, are we paying for storage for an S3? Yes, but we are not paying for a physical server to host these web apps that I set up. So cost is a big savings uh, of the service itself. Of course, yeah. every business owner knows that you also have to pay people. And what was the old Microsoft saying? Linux is only free if, you, if your time is worthless. 
how does that apply here or, or, or does it apply here? I mean, what's the time involved in, in the, what's the investment in, in learning serverless? What's that gonna look like? It's, it's hard to say um, for, cause I, I picked it up pretty quickly. Um, and I, 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 again, I've been, I've been doing this my, basically my entire life at this point. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to assume how that somebody might pick it up faster or slower than me. Sure. Um, I picked it up pretty quickly. The, the there's a million good tutorials out there. Um, Amazon provides templates for a multitude of programming languages and you know, there's there 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 are configuration things that you'll have to worry about, but you, you stuff you'd still have to worry about with a server. But you know, when your your deployment when your deployment process ends up being a push of a button or you know like a a script, a very simple script, um, it's it's not that huge of a learning curve, and it's not that much it's not that much management time. Like if I'm using it in Visual Studio and I, not, not everybody uses Visual Studio, but it is, it is, a, it is a right click and then a left click to, to deploy an application. Just for context here, you said you picked it up quickly. How, how long have you been uh, doing serverless work? At least since 2018. Um, and, how, and how long did it take you from say you, you decided, I'm gonna try this serverless thing till uh, you had something that you felt good about in, in production? You know, I, I would say in this instance, I'm thinking like uh, a couple weeks because there were some, obviously there's the un unanticipated things that I'm not gonna catch on day one. One of the things I ran into was uh, cores requests. Um, and it took me forever to figure out how to, it, and by forever, I mean, you know, a few Less hours. than two weeks, yeah. Yeah, less than two <laughs> weeks. And it's just, it's just a configuration thing that you have to do. Um, Something else with uh, Lambda is, and again, I'm specific, that's the, one, that's the serverless tech I have the most experience with. You do need to understand how VPC works um, because uh, there is configuration involved. If you want a Lambda function to be accessible to the internet and also be access um, internal resources like a database, mm -hmm. there's some con configuration involved there, uh, assuming that you're wanting to keep things secure. Some people, flippantly don't care about that and pay for it later. But yeah, I, 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 I got to just, again, the, the tutorial, the, the, I mean, this is just the, the great part about the internet. The, the whole of human knowledge is available at the, at the click of a button yeah. and the available Amazon tutorials tend to be, uh, tend to be pretty good. And then there's a million people writing, um, you know, writing, you know, a medium blog or something like that about, about this stuff. So there's, there's a wealth of information. So if you are sort of, you know, skilled or talented in this direction, um, you know, I feel like it's something that, that, that most, most DevOps or, you know, developers should be able to pick up. I know that I got, um, you know, Chameleon Collective, we actually have some, you know, we have some internal developers that are building out uh, our infrastructure. They don't really do client work. And I got them turned on to um, to serverless, and it, and there's they were a little iffy about it at first, and I'm like, no, trust me, I, I know you've got you've got this Node.js app running on an EC2 instance, and I, I I know that it works, I know that that you're comfortable with this, please just try Lambda, mm -hmm. and I think it was I think it was like a year later that I finally had a conver a conversation with that dev, and the, the the crux of the conversation was Zach, you were so right about Lambda, and I converted the entire <laughs> infrastructure to that, so nice.
what what language do you write your stuff in? Are you using JavaScript or I mean, what are the options? Um, so I'm actually using uh, C sharp most of the time. If I have my choice, I use I use C sharp. Um, mm -hmm. But off the top of my head, obviously Node.js is is an obvious one. Uh, Java, Python. You can sort of do some hacky stuff to make PHP work, but nobody should use PHP ever again. <laughs> Strong opinions I mean, abound. <laughs> I, you know, I just, I, I encounter things. And as, as I'm sure you have had in your career, and you just, I encounter things and those things are inevitably PHP and, um, you know, they cause me late nights and heartburn. So um, I'm, I'm sure that Go is supported as well. Um, I think I, you you're know, right. I, I go almost has to be supported. So it's the, and I bet again, just guessing I would bet Ruby is too. It's, it's, you know, the standard, the standard array of languages that we use today. So as a, as a developer, suppose you've, you've written that Node.js application and it's working. Um, what, uh, what other changes do I need to have in mind? You know, what's, what's, because there's a whole, it's not just an application, right? You have your entire build process and your entire sort of, environment and stack, uh, how much of that applies to serverless? And then I'm talking about things like um, your your code repository, um, CICD pipelines, can you write automated tests for lambdas, uh, th things like that, or, or is it a whole new approach and a different tool set? I don't think it's that different of an approach. Um, I just think that the end result is, um, is, is a, it's, it's kind of like where you're pushing your code to um, is what's different. You know, you do have, you know, sort of leaving a little bit of the, the, the CI stuff out, uh, out for a sec. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you, have, you have some of the things that you would have in a stack otherwise. And the, uh, you know, like cloud formation is the way you handle that in AWS. Um, you actually have uh, uh, templates depending on the, on the sort of app that you're using that will actually, and this is really nice, will actually will, will set the stack up for you entirely. And it's one of the great things about AWS is that you can automate all of that stuff. Um, I, you know, I feel like that it hasn't changed my development process at all, because one of the things that um, one of the things that I do when I'm developing is whatever I'm, let's say I'm writing a uh, I'm writing a web app, or maybe I'm just writing a function. I'm writing some sort of middleware integration whatever, wherever that's going to end up hosted, as I'm writing, whatever I'm writing isn't dependent upon that. It's mm -hmm. so it's sort of, um, it's literally, it's like I have a, you know, there's sort of, for me, the way I do it, I have a library somewhere. And that way I can run it and test it and do any integration stuff with a, with a separate project versus, you know, having to run it, you know, inside of Lambda. And you can actually simulate your Lambda functions locally, which I, I tend not to do. Okay. And, or if you're doing a, a web app and then again, this applies to Visual Studio, if you're doing a web app, it sort of has a different startup process. Um, it, it just bootstraps very slightly differently. Mm -hmm. One thing that I have learned though, is you, again, this is, and I'm speaking to the, the um, you know, C-sharp experience, the .NET experience, but this could apply to other languages too. You need to make sure the libraries that you're using are going to run on Linux. 
because this this all this all is this is if you're doing a C sharp uh, lambda function, it's not running in Windows. It's uh -huh. it's running in Linux when you when it okay. does run. And um, I built a uh, whole encryption solution using a uh, library that won't run on that won't run in Linux. I guess that's so, one of the drawbacks you were alluding to earlier. Yeah. So, and, and here, another action, since we're mentioning drawbacks, you do need to stay on top of changes that Amazon is making to, uh, to, to their services, because they will deprecate things. And if you're not on top of stuff that's being deprecated, you will, stuff will end up broken or you won't be able to deploy. Um, it's not quite the same or critical as, as having like a, you know, really bad security hole in a, in a Linux server. But uh, a, a great example is um, Amazon had deprecated a, um, there's a role that they had deprecated. They basically just renamed it. And um, I, I was, I was unaware of that. And I deployed, I deployed an app for a client. Thankfully this was a development stack. And because that role doesn't exist anymore, um, on, on deployment, the, the stack broke and the, it was broken in such a way that I couldn't roll it back either. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are some of the other drawbacks uh, since we're on that topic? So I, one of the, this is a hard one to explain to clients is, um, you know, if you're, if your serverless functions are, are dormant for a while, if it's something, it's something that's responding to a request like you would with a web app, it can take a while to warm up. And when I'm demonstrating some functionality, um, I'm you know demonstrating some functionality uh, that I built for a client. It's making an API call, and that API call takes 20 seconds to complete because that that particular function hasn't been called in two weeks. Uh -huh. The development stack stack and nobody's looking at it. Um, yeah, uh, they're saying, why is this taking so long? Well, it ta it's taking so long because nobody uses it. So, so the lesson there, I guess, is always hit your API endpoints right before a demo. Yeah, yeah just go ahead and just go ahead and load up like Postman or Insomni and just you know click it a few times. <laughs> sort of like, uh, yeah, you know, sort of like you imagine like you know Bugs Bunny grabbing somebody and slapping them around to wake them up. You know, do it like that. Okay. But yeah, I made a Bugs Bunny reference. All the kids are going to love that one, right? Yes. Yeah. Know who he is? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is vendor lock-in an issue? I mean, you're talking about Lambda. Suppose that for some reason I need to migrate off of Lambda. Is that even an option, or or am I am I married to Lambda once I'm there? I I think you would have to actually try really hard to be stuck um, with with Lambda. Sure. I, I think I, I just view as when I when I develop it, I, I I sort of view it as it's it's a container for my code. And that's it. But my code sort of is is its own sort of atomic thing that I can that if I needed to drop this, just drop this on a Linux server and run it with a cron job, or if I just mm -hmm. um, or if I you know just wanted to run it behind or put it on the Linux server and run it behind Nginx, that I can do that. I mean, when you're using when you're using AWS, you obviously become dependent on some of the platform things. But I, you know, I try to, I really try to develop as neutrally as possible. So sort of the wrapper around your code is, is sort of AWS flavored, but your functionality, as long as you write it appropriately, you could plug and play that. You could, you could 
maybe you have to redo that wrapper like I was talking about, but you could put it on any, on a, like you said, a Linux server or any other cloud provider if you need to. Yeah, an, an, exa an example of something I actually end up doing for clients a lot is, you know, they will have, they will have two business critical systems that are, that aren't, that don't talk to one another. And so maybe there's like one of the systems is something that runs their internal operations. And the more you could get into some really specific industries where there is this hyper-specialized software and MailChimp or whomever doesn't have an integration with it. So you have this operation system and you have an email marketing system and they don't talk to each other. Okay, so how are you gonna do that? And it's, it's actually, they're not that big of problems to solve because you know almost everything has an API now. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not necessarily everyone's you know sort of first thought on how to solve that it's like oh well you know wordpress doesn't already do that or um you know mailchimp doesn't already do that or whatever or you know clavio which whatever your your choice is so what i end up doing a lot is saying okay well so you're just saying you need me to sync all your customers from your operation system over your email system and then you need me to say it set it up to send appointment reminders too and you want to use your email platform because the emails are prettier so is that what you am i getting this right <laughs> so i that that sort of thing and i mean it's often way 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 more complicated than that but that's that's what it comes down to a lot of times mm -hmm. and so None of the, almost none of that code would what I would ever be would ever be platform specific because it's you know I have you know really I have a set of services that that run and perform uh, you know perform tasks and you know the sort of whatever whatever I would wrap around that code is is I'm going to have a function that it calls mm -hmm. and executes oh. and that that function can log and return some meaningful output. So the, whatever the wrapper is, know that knows that, um, you know, the function was successful, but yeah, that, that, that code should be able to run anywhere. How, how do you know if it's appropriate to use serverless or not? I mean, I, I imagine there are, I mean, I'm certain that there are cases when it's absolutely the wrong tool to use. And there are probably others where it's sort of a no brainer. Yes, this is a great application for serverless. And there's probably a big gray area in the middle. Can you talk about maybe those those two extremes and, and how do you decide about the gray areas? Cost is cost is going to be a factor. We talked about that earlier. Um, do you have staff to maintain um, a tech stack, a, a web stack, or what what have you? Um, how often are you going to be updating it? Hmm. What sort of updates are you going to be making to it? Um, is this is this a piece of software that you're going to be keeping for a long time? Is this um, performance ends up becoming a, a big one because you know I one would assume at a certain point that you might need a cluster of web servers and not just um, and not just a little serverless uh, function running somewhere. But what it always ends up being the, the decisions that I end up making. It, with clients, it, it's it's always it's generally because um, lack of resources or lack of expertise. So the goal is this is the easiest thing possible. 
I will write this and um, I will show you how to deploy it and I will hand it off to you and then your internal IT staff can handle this. Or if it's a long-term engagement, because I do have some clients that I've, I've you know, supported stuff for them for three, four years. Um, well, this makes my life easier because I'm not worried about, you know, um, updating or patching a server. And if I need to make changes, again, my, my deployments are the click of a button and it's not costing my client anything to, you know, to, to run things serverless versus again, having a, you know, S3 instance that you're paying for, you know, every minute that it's running. What else do you think the audience or even myself should know about serverless or, or uh, have you, have you told me what I need to, uh, to get started? Um, I would just say, um, try it. Mm -hmm. I would take your language of choice, um, open up and open up an AWS account if you don't have one. Although I have to imagine that, uh, that, or, you know, some other providers equivalent of AWS, um, and do the intro walkthrough and, and build, you know, you could build a little, you know, function that responds to a notification, but build a web app. Cause I actually think a really effective web stack that you can build is, um, you know, you have Lambda as an API and then you use S3 and you have like a react front end sitting there. And there you, so you have your front end and your back end and you're not dealing with a server at any point. And you can drop CDN. You can drop to what is it called? Um, CloudFront, I think, is the is that CDN and AWS. All right. Where, where can uh, where can listeners go if they want to learn about this? I mean, obviously, the internet. I, I would just say use your black belt Google skills. I, I actually I actually can't think of anything off the top of my head. I usually start with uh, I usually start with the, the AWS docs and go from there when I can't solve a problem. Yeah. Their documentation is pretty extensive, so that that's always a good place to go. Thank you, Zach, for uh, talking about serverless and convincing me that I should try it. If people are interested in getting in touch with you, how, how can we follow you? Yeah, I am on um, Twitter at the Zork. So that is that is T H E Z the number zero R K. Um, and if somebody really wants to know what that means, they can message me and I can explain it. But it's a it's a, a 15 year old cultural reference that's way down a rabbit hole. And so nobody, <laughs> nobody would get it anyway. Um, you can also check out, um, you know, Chameleon Collective online, too. We actually have a pretty massive social media presence and it's it's really a matter of Googling. And I work with a lot of smart people that that have a lot of smart things to say. Um, probably a lot more smarter things to say than I do. Um, and um, if if your interests, you know, tend towards heavy metal or or guitars, you can check out uh, you can check out my bands, uh, Northern Crown and Miasma Theory. We are pretty much any place that you can find music. And um, I guess depending on when you hear this podcast, uh, you could also keep your eye out for Iridium Effects, which is my new line of guitar pedals, which is just getting off the ground. Nice. We'll have all those details in the, in the show notes for, for those who are interested. This episode is copyright 2021 by Jonathan Hall, all rights reserved. Find me online at jhall.io. Theme music is performed by Riley Day. What are the chances you might play a riff for us? Actually, I do have a guitar in reach. Hold on. It's not going to be plugged in, but let me see. We can call this bare metal? Huh? Can we call it bare metal then?
in, yes, in contrast to serverless. <laughs>